Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete, where we interview badass, high-performing individuals to learn more about their competitive spirit and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. Hey everybody, I'm here with Melinda Russell. She is from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Is that still correct, Melinda? That is correct. And she is the founder and CEO of Women's Motorsports Network. So I am super interested to know what is that network and how you started it and all that good stuff to kind of go back to the beginning. But before we do that, can you tell me what is happening in your world right now related to motorsport racing? Uh, in my personal world, I do a podcast that I record very similar to what you do. Okay. Um, you can find it on pretty much any platform uh, where podcasts are hosted. Uh, it's called Women's Motorsports Network. It used to be called Racing Girls Rock, but we've kind of tried to change everything over to one name. And so that's Women's Motorsports Network. I have a YouTube channel where you can find a lot of the podcasts that I do. I have an online magazine that I started in 2017, all about women in motorsports, and it's called the Women's Motorsports Network News. And then I also do a live show that I started a little over a year ago with my friend Brett Timmerman. He's um, more into the dirt racing, and he has a daughter that races he and I became acquainted th through his daughter and have become very close friends. So we do a show on Sunday night live on the Women's Motorsports Network Facebook page. And it's called Let's Talk Racing Live, where we interview women uh, live on the show where you can, you know, ask questions. And, and that's turned out to be a really fun show to do. So um, that's kind of what I do on a weekly basis. I connect with women all around the world. And so just keeping up with emails and Facebook and Instagram and all those kinds of things is a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, um, so that's, I mean, you're, that's a full-time job. You're doing that a whole time. Um, what, what is, um, it sounds like you're on all the platforms. Is there a particular one that you have a preference for people to reach out to you? Well, I think probably Apple's one of the ones that most people listen to. Um, I listen to pod, I have Podbean on my computer. I tend to like that personally, but I think um, you know they're all pretty good. But I think probably Apple and and is probably the number one that people use for for listening to the pod, your podcast. Correct? Yes, yes. And in terms of uh, let's say someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to to touch base with you? Well, the best way to do that is probably um, Facebook, Melinda Russell, or, um, you know, that's probably where I'm at more often than not. The messages there are, are fairly quick for me to respond to, or I personally, I like text messages. So my, te my cell phone number, I give it out freely, 269-760-1111. And can you say that just one more time? Yes, 269-760-1111. Eleven, eleven. 
Awesome. That's easy to remember. I get that um, a lot. <laughs> so um, I have to ask, do you, I mean, what you, what got, what you got you started in all this? Well, so back in 2017, in January, I had back surgery. And so that kind of put a, a limit to the things I could do. I was basically mostly in bed for January, February, March, and a little bit of April in 2017. I had, I had gone actually to a NASCAR race the fall before that. And it rained and it was freezing cold in Phoenix, believe it or not. And I got very sick. And long story short, I came home from there more sick than I realized. And uh, I took a fall when I got out of bed one morning and passed out. And uh, come to find out, I fractured my back. And I also dislocated uh, one of my shoulders. And so I wasn't in very good shape. And so they said, yeah, I think we're going to need to do some surgery on your back. We, um, decided, okay, we probably, I don't probably have a choice. They put, uh, two rods and 16 screws in my back. So I live with that on a daily basis, which after a while, it's, it's just the thing that you normally feel but it's always there. And so I used to do a lot of traveling. I had a send out cards business in addition to working a job. And I used to travel a lot um, by choice for that. And I knew I couldn't do that anymore. So I wanted to find a way to share my send out card business. And I was very big in motorsports. My son, when he graduated high school in 1996, took his graduation money and behind my back, he bought a um, four wheel drive, four cylinder wheel drive, whatever you want to call them, uh, car. And his dad knew, but I didn't. And so that didn't go over very well with me at the time. And what I learned is that you can't beat them. You got to join them. So we started being race fans and we followed him. He raced in Macomb, Illinois on a dirt track. And uh, so that's how I really got back into racing. When Ben was little, um, before he was even in school, we used to go to Quincy, Illinois, to Quincy Raceways, which now I believe is called Adams County Speedway. And we used to go to the races on Sunday night and watch a couple of friends of my former husband. And that's really how we kind of got into racing. But then as my kids grew and they got into sports, you couldn't do that. And they had to be up early to go to school on Monday. Sunday night was not a good night to be at the races. So racing kind of went to the side. My son always kind of liked racing, but you know, we didn't continue to follow it. And then, um, he, he bought that car when he graduated from high school. So we got back into racing following him and, and that, um, in 1999, my first husband took a different job. We moved from West Central Illinois, just north of Quincy, Illinois, to Kalamazoo, Michigan. And he took it, you know, took the job up here. So we moved. And my oldest two children were out of high school. I just had my youngest two that were in sixth and eighth grade. So we moved here. We were not into racing at all. Ben was back in Illinois. And um, gradually they migrated here. My oldest daughter moved here, got married. She still lives here. And then Ben moved here a few years later 
And when he did, the racetracks here in Michigan are, I'm so lucky. They're so close to me. Um, Kalamazoo Speedway's less than 20 minutes away. Galesburg's about 20 minutes away. Berlin's a little over an hour. I could keep going. There's racetracks all around me. And so when Ben moved here, he started back into racing and we all got involved. So my son-in-law, my daughter, myself, um, and eventually even my two granddaughters started uh, racing quarter midgets when they were probably five and seven years old. So we got back into racing and um, as you well know, racing gets in your blood. Yeah. You can't, once you get started, you can't, you can't not be involved. And so um, long story short, we were back into the, the racing uh, deal and then I had this surgery and I couldn't um, do the things that I used to do. And so I met with a friend of mine who was actually a, a coach. He was in my BNI group and he said, Melinda, why don't you share, send out cards, you know, with the racing community? Because, you know, send out cards, a totally different situation, but it's a, it's a wonderful keep in touch greeting card and gifting company where you can put pictures on the cards, type your own message and the company mails them for you for a couple bucks. And so he said, I think you should reach out to the, the racing community and they should all be using this system to thank their sponsors, etc." cetera. Mm. So I thought, okay, well, in my mind, racing was such a huge industry. And I really only knew the people in the Kalamazoo area because we had sponsored races with send out cards and different things. And a lot of people knew me because of that, but um, I didn't have a lot of contacts outside of Kalamazoo. So long story short, I'm thinking about what he said. And one night I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking, well, the entire motorsports community is too big, but what about women in motorsports? I'm a woman in motorsports. I've never driven a race car, but I love it all the same. And I know there's a lot of women just like me. Maybe there's a group on Facebook that I could get connected to and get involved, not only in motorsports, but share send out cards. So I started looking on Facebook and there was no such group for, for motorsports, for women in motorsports. And then I, I Googled associations for women in motorsports, groups for women in motorsports. And there were a handful, but um, one of them I remember was the, I think, um, Jamestown or some such uh, um, auxiliary for women. And it had like 15 members. That's not what I was looking for. I was looking for a group where women could share, you know, their successes, their struggles, um, whatever they needed with other women with like minds in motorsports. There wasn't anything. So my family, especially my husband said, well, why don't you, why don't you just start a page and see what happens? So on August 17th of 2017, I put a, a post on Facebook and it basically said, I'm starting a, an association to involve women who like motorsports. If you or someone you know would be interested in knowing more, please tag yourself here. And by the end of that Sunday evening, I had over a hundred names. Oh. And by the end of Monday evening, I had over 200 names and it's grown since then. 
I have a little over 10,000 followers on Facebook, which to some people doesn't seem like a lot, but to me it is because they've come to me um, one at a time, two at a time, you know, um, a racetrack posts something that I've done or shared or a story I've done. And then I'll get five or six people following me because of that story. And so uh, that's really kind of how it started. Um, I have a publishing background. I owned a weekly newspaper for 10 years back in the Illinois area. And my favorite thing to do when I owned the newspaper was to tell stories. We did not print obituaries in the weekly newspaper. We did not put um, accidents and all kinds of bad news on the front page of that paper. That paper was called the Good News Paper. And we followed two towns, two little towns in Illinois, all their school things, all their sports things, and the little hometown news. And the favorite thing for me to do was write um, human interest stories. And so I thought, I can do that for people in motorsports. All these women have a story. Most of them are never going to get a chance to tell their story because they're not famous. And so I thought, well, what fun would that be, you know? And it's something I can do from home, from my laptop. I don't have to travel. And I could take care of myself and my back in the meantime. So I started then with a magazine. The first issue came out in November of 2017. And I basically, it's online. I had a lot of discussions with different people who publish motorsports magazines that still come in the mail or you can buy at Barnes and Noble. But every one of them said, Melinda, if I had it to do or if I could change how it's going now, I would go online because that's where we're headed and printing costs are going up and up. Mailing costs are going up. I wouldn't even try to print it. Make it possible for the person to print the magazine if they want to, but you should send it online. So I'm like, okay, sounds good to me. And that's how it started. And so I have been doing the magazine since 2017. In January of 2018, a couple friends of mine that run at the time, it was called the Midwest Compact Touring Series. Andy Jack and um, Michael Wood, they had a, at the time, it wasn't really a podcast. It was a live show on Facebook, but they called it a podcast. They said, would you be interested in interviewing a woman that's in our series for like a 15-minute interview on our show? I said, sure. It's the same thing as writing a story for the magazine, only you're just talking to them. So I started doing that in January of 2018 and it became one of the most popular portions of the show, which was very cool. And they kind of kicked me off. They said, you know, you should really have your own show because this is popular. And I always tease them and say, yeah, you just want to get rid of me. But uh, so then I decided, okay, I can, I can do a podcast again. It's something I can do from home or wherever I am. So I started at the time I came up with the name Racing Girls Rock Podcast. And I've been doing that since 2018. I think I've done a couple hundred episodes of uh, interviews for that podcast. And then um, so things just continued to go. And the cool thing about it all is that the community that I've built has been done 99% through social media. I know women from all around the world. 
Saudi Arabia, lots of Australian women, Europe, um, Norway, Sweden. Um, just It's just been so fun to be able to connect with women and talk to them and hear their stories that I would have never had the chance to meet had it not been for Women's Motorsports Network. So the blessings that I've received back from these women um, are way greater than whatever anything I've done for anybody else. And that's, that's something that nobody can take away from me. I'm 67 years old and I'm still uh, a go-getter, but you know, I'm not 30. And so I have to, I had to find a, some kind of a job, something I could do as a retired person that kept me excited and wanted, uh, made me want to get up in the morning. And, and this has done that for me. This is my passion. These women are my passion. I love every one of them that I've met. They've become family to me. So that's kind of what I'm, what I've been doing. Um, our, our numbers are growing and the amount of emails and connections that I get on a daily basis, as I said earlier, is a full-time job. Um, it's not a job to me, but it, it takes a lot of time just to yeah. stay in touch and to schedule things. And so um, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm looking for ways to find partners and sponsors to help um, so that we can grow even bigger. In, in 2020 or in 2019, I had an event at Michigan International Speedway. Samantha Bush was our guest. And then we had a, I had five women out on the um, driver intro stage prior to the race. And we did a little uh, Q&A thing and it went over very well. And so I decided, well, in 2020, maybe I would do some of those kinds of events at other tracks because a lot of women think that racing is just for their husband or their boyfriend or their dad. If they haven't ever been to a race or they, you know, they have a conception about who goes and what it's like, that's not what it's like at all. And so one of the things that I really wanted to do then and still to this day is my goal is to have some events at racetracks at larger events where we can invite women's groups from the from the local area where we can get the word out to the wives and the girlfriends and the, the daughters of the men that are already coming and say hey guess what we are women in motorsports and we want to show you what motorsports is all about and so i had about 10 or 12 nascar tracks that i was working with and then guess what covid came and so that all shut down. Several of those people lost their jobs or left. And so I'm just now starting to reconnect with some of those women to find ways that we can get more women to the track, get more people, period, in the stands. Um, you know, there's husbands and men out there that would probably really like for their wives to go, but they need someone besides themselves to encourage them to do that. And so we want more people to come out to the races to support both grassroots local tracks and NASCAR and NHRA and all the other tracks. And then we want women to see that one, there's a lot of opportunity in motorsports for women, for um, 
girls going to college who maybe um, had never thought about being the accountant for Rick Hendrick Motorsports or, you know, a PR person or a social media person, or maybe you are the hair and makeup. Uh, you're in, you know, you have a salon and you want to be the hair and makeup person for the um, NBC NASCAR or Fox or whatever talent that does the show. Now I have to admit, I did not know those jobs existed, the hair and makeup. And I've met two gals who have done that. And it's one of the most interesting interviews I've done because when you stop to think about it, sure, they needed that done, but I didn't realize that that was a job that you could do. And, and so I've learned so much as well. When, when I started this, I knew there were a fair amount of women in motorsports, but I'll be honest, I had no idea how many women are involved just as drivers, not to mention engineers and all these other jobs that I mentioned. There are hundreds of thousands of women involved in motorsports. I can just hope that I can connect and meet <laughs> Not all of them, maybe, but a good share of them, because that's my passion, meeting these women and hearing their stories. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I've rambled on, but um, that's that's what I'm doing. And hopefully maybe um, someone that's listening to this will be interested in being a part of the show, being on the podcast. Um, and that's how it grows, as as you well know, Carrie. Yep. Yeah, that. I, I love I love the passion behind all that. So, um, and it's it's so cool that that how you've grown with people really reaching out to you and hearing from other people about what you're doing, which is the best way to do it, as opposed to you kind of forcing it. So you know the folks that are tuned in are tuned in because they're really interested in in what you're sharing with everybody. Um, oh yeah, it's, absolutely. It's uh, fantastic. So. <clears throat> um, what, what's probably the, the one thing that the biggest misconception, biggest misconception that anybody has about women in motorsports? That uh, it's a man's sport. What are they doing getting involved? They can't compete on the same level, that kind of thing, which is so not true. You know, um, it used to be women couldn't even go into the pits years, you know, before me years ago. Um, I had heard a story about a woman who cut her hair very short and wore a ball cap and dressed like a boy so that she could sneak into the pits. And that, you know, that was probably before I was born. But now when you go to, especially your grassroots level, um, there's a lot of women both in the stands and inside the pit area. Um, they might be a crew chief. They might be helping with tires. You know, a lot of them are the drivers. Every kind of, you know, every kind of job you can think of, women are involved now in motorsports. You know, I think motorsports gets a bad rap in some ways because it used to be whack back in the day. It was, you know, rednecks and... <laughs> people who were drinking and smoking and all, and it got a bad, it got a bad image for a long time. And yet, you know, when you go to the racetrack, you'll meet 
people from every walk of life, every economic background from all around the world. There's people that come to the United States just to go to a NASCAR race because they've seen it on TV and they want to see what it's like in real life. So I think the misconception is that um, women didn't belong in the past. They still don't belong and that they can't compete at the same level. And that's totally false. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I know several women that are drivers and much better than me, much more experienced than me. And I'm amazed at, uh, you know, what they're doing just doesn't matter male or female. It's, right. it's so impressive. And also I've got, um, at least one female that works with the team that I race with. And, uh, she's provided all kinds of help for me and helping me look at the data and understand it because she's been doing this for, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I, I just like to see more people involved. I mean, I've gotten the chance to interview, um, in, in the short time I've been doing this, I've interviewed several women and, um, you know, I, I love hearing the stories. I love hearing how excited they are about um, everything that's happening. Do you do you feel that there are probably still some, like the path for women is still more difficult than it should be when compared to men in motorsports? Or do you feel like that's not the case anymore at all? Well, it is still the case, but it's gotten a lot better. But the hardest thing for women is finding sponsorships. And that, I don't understand that because there are so many, first of all, let's go back a minute. 80% of the buying choices are made by women in the home. Okay. 80% or more might be a little higher than that. I've done a lot of research about that. And so why wouldn't, um, let's say Clairol or Revlon or some big company that basically sells to women, why wouldn't they want their name in front of all these women? Because it isn't just the people that race or come with the driver. When you go to a NASCAR race now and look around, there's easily as many women as there are men in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know, some sometimes, most of the time, at least the ones I've been to. So why don't these companies want to support the Haley Deegans and the, and the women from her down to get the word out. And especially even like, let's just take Kalamazoo. That's where I live. So my Mm -hmm. granddaughters raced. My one granddaughter still races. She just turned 18 and she races a street stop and she's got a beautiful car. And she had, this is the first year that she's had a really good sponsor. And I don't mean just monetarily. I mean a sponsor that she really can partner with. And it's called Landmark Recovery. And it's a drug and alcohol recovery clinic. And they have them all over the United States. And it just happened that we had a connection there. And she's going to be a wonderful spokesperson for that company. She's an 18-year-old girl who could be doing a lot of things wrong, and she's not. And so she can, t- she can speak to, you know, the things they do to help 
people who need recovery, but she can also be a living example for what to do. <clears throat> so um, in Kalamazoo, we have Harding's Market, which is a big grocery store chain, and Meyer. And Meyer is now in Illinois and Indiana and all over the place. Why aren't they sponsoring some woman or some women in the local area? Why aren't they sponsoring their race cars? I don't know. Maybe maybe nobody's asked them. Maybe they don't see the value because they've never done it before. It could be a whole host of reasons. I don't know. But there's places, uh, hair salons. Why wouldn't uh, a nice hair salon in Kalamazoo want to be on the car of a young gal who's a beautiful young gal racing right here in Kalamazoo? Why wouldn't they want to be on the side of the car where people are going to see it, you know, week after week for 30 races a year? I, I don't know how you get across to businesses the value that they get from being a sponsor. And, you know, she offers not just being on the car. She's going to give you tickets to a race. She'll bring the car to your business, all these things. Um, there's a lot more value to it than what I think businesses understand. Over the weekend, Kyle Busch had uh, a grill company on his car. It was an unknown, basically, small company. And their website crashed over the weekend because so many people were Googling the grill company from seeing it on his race car. Mm -hmm. Now I realize that's NASCAR, but that just shows you the power of things going around in front of you. You're seeing it over and over and then all of a sudden, I'm going to Google that and see what that is. And, and so I, I don't know why it's difficult for women. I think sponsorship in general is difficult more so now than ever but especially for women. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that for, I mean, not everybody knows this, I think, because some people outside of racing don't realize, I mean, it's expensive. It, you, you don't really race to, to make money. No. Um, you end up spending money. So um, if you run out of money, it's, it's really difficult. So the sponsorship yeah. stuff is super important unless you just got deep pockets. Well, that's true, and I think you see that in racing. The sometimes the the people that are racing at the higher levels may not always be the best talent, but they have somebody that can back them, or they have sponsorship, or whatever it might be. And I, I'm not saying that they're not good racers. Don't get me wrong; they wouldn't be there if they couldn't do the job. But mm -hmm. there's also probably three or four times as many who don't make it because they don't have the backing. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the sad part. But it sounds like the efforts you're doing, I mean, you're obviously uh, raising the tide for all of women and motorsports, but it also sounds like you're raising the tide for all of motorsports. Like you said, trying to get more people out, more involvement um, and a better understanding of what motorsports is all about. Well, that's true because, um, you know, I kind of laugh whenever I speak to a group or anything. I and, and it's usually, you know, an audience with as many or more men than women sometimes. And I'll say, don't get me wrong. I love all you men, but I'm all about connecting and celebrating the women because 
that's where my passion lies. I can't do everything. So I have to find the area where I feel like it can be the most influence and then where I can help the most. And it has to be my passion. And it, and as I see women who work a full-time job, they're raising two or three or five kids. Some of the kids race, she races, maybe her husband races, whatever the situation is. And she still has to buy the groceries and do the laundry and, and, and that kind of thing. And then, you know, I, I see comments that say, I've, I've heard women say that someone will say, well, who takes care of your kids when you're racing? You know, kind of in a snotty way. Well, yeah. grandma does or, or friends that sit in the stands because people are willing to help, you know. Uh, that's the thing about the racing community. It's a family. Yeah, it is a family. Uh, that's something, as I talk to more and more people, um, of course, you know, people like, you know, people get involved, like the competitive spirit of it. But if you ask, usually the number one response is, mm -hmm. why did, why are they still here? And it, a mm -hmm. lot of it has to do with the friendships and the family atmosphere yep. that's developed over time. And they're really there to help each other. I mean, uh, things happen in racing. And yeah. so you, you need other people around that could, that could help you and, and, uh, it, it really is like a big family. You know, the number, as you said, when I ask people what's, the, what's their favorite thing about being involved in motorsports, 99.9%, excuse me, say it's the people. It's the friends they've made. And, and I say the same thing. I, you know, if racing went away tomorrow and there was no racing ever again, the people that I've met and made friends with are going, they're, they're my lifelong friends and they live all over the United States. Some of them live in Australia. And so nobody can take that away from me. You can take NASCAR away. You can close my local tracks, um, all those things, but the, the friendships and the, the ability I have to stay in touch with those people through social media and letter writing and whatever it might be, won't go away ever. And, oh, I, that's just the thing that I just hold so dear to my heart is the people that I've met. When, when I interview um, a gal or on, for the podcast, I tell them at the end, Women's Motorsports Network is a family. And now that I've spoken to you face to face or I've gotten to know you, you're part of the family. So welcome to the family. And you get the biggest smile out of people just for that little bit of welcome to the family. Um, you know, I've, <laughs> I don't know if I can get to all 200 and whatever uh, tracks where these women that I've interviewed ha are racing, but my goal is to meet these women in person at some point and watch them race. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want to. I want to actually be in the stands and watch them. And I've met quite a number of women and gone to watch them. And this year, <clears throat> this summer, my plan is to do a road tour, probably in the Michigan, Illinois, Indiana area, mm -hmm. um, and see how it goes. But to go, you know, I can drive two or three hours from where I live and be at a whole lot of tracks. Even if I just uh, focused on Michigan, we have so many tracks. 
So my goal is to do that and meet these girls, these women in person and let them know that they do matter and it's not, you know, it's worth what you're doing and keep it up. And, and a lot of times when I interview a woman, I ask them too, how, you know, what's your legacy going to be? How are you going to leave motorsports? And they all say they want to encourage more women to race. They want to be a, be a mentor, be a, a good example for the ones that follow. So that makes me happy. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier about your newsletter and it's, you know, it's online mm -hmm. or excuse me, um, your magazine, mm -hmm. but how, how is it distributed? Um, is it a PDF or is it, yeah. is it built into an email or? Yeah, it's a PDF that I send out through the email. I have about 6,500 email addresses and I add to that daily, yeah. <laughs> daily, if I have time. Otherwise I add a whole lot of them on the weekend. But yeah. anybody that wants to send me their email address will get the magazine. And then, you know, I send I don't send out a lot of emails. You are not going to get slammed by emails from me, but I, you will get one when a podcast, you know, drops and it'll, or the, you know, in news about who's going to be on let's talk racing live, things like that. Um, just information emails, but that's how you would get the magazine. And, I'm happy to send it to as many people as want, as would like to have it because it, it's a good magazine and you're going to read about women that you've never heard of before. Most of them. Now, is that, that's typically what is the main content of the magazine are these stories that you have gathered from the, the women that you have interviewed? Yeah. So, um, you know, someone will say, Melinda, you should interview, um, you know, McKenna Snyder. Okay. So I reach out, either they get me the email or the Facebook page for McKenna Snyder and I find her and then I send her a private message and just say, you've been suggested as a story to be featured in my online magazine and or the podcast. If you would send me your email address, I'll send you more information. So that gets me the email so that I can converse with them easier than through Facebook messenger. And then I send them a questionnaire that they fill out that, you know, has basic questions about their, um, how they get started racing and, you know, just the basics about their story and, and some questions, you know, like, um, what's your favorite thing about being a race car driver? What's been your biggest obstacle? How do you use social media? You know, that kind of thing. And then I write the story from the questionnaire. And if I have questions, I either email them or call them and say, you know, I don't understand this part or how, tell me more about this. And then that's how I write the story. So I've written about 450 stories wow. since 2017 just for the magazine. That doesn't count the 200 and some podcast interviews I've done and the 40 some live shows. Yeah. And now when you're doing this traveling, especially this summer, it'll be more of the live shows. Yes. Yes. It'll be more of that. It'll be, um, some Facebook live things at the track. It'll be perhaps recorded, a recorded short interview with, you know, some of the women at the track. And, mm -hmm. um, it could be that, um, 
I give them the questionnaire or I get their email and I send them the questionnaire and then we feature them in the magazine later. It could be all those things. And I want to make sure people understand it's not just drivers. Okay. The stories in the magazine have been about all kinds of women from all walks of life and they're not all drivers. So let's just say that the lady who runs the concession stand at ABC track has done it for 40 years. Do you think she might have a good story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are oh, the yeah. kinds of stories that I'm looking for as well. Or who's, you know, the lady, the the flag, the flag lady. What about the flag lady or the um, announcer or things that you tip, especially typically take for granted. You go to the racetrack and you go to get your food, but you don't think about who's back there and making sure that you've got something to eat when you're there. You know, it takes so many people to keep that track running. And people, people that like to go to the racetrack that are fans typically go within about 30 minutes or, or less of the time the races start and they leave before it's over or as soon as it's over. And they don't think about one that the race drivers, the race teams have been there since noon and it's seven o'clock race time. They don't think about how much it costs them to get into the pit area because it's more than to sit in the grandstand, how much tires are, how much the gas is, how much the parts are. If you wreck, how much it's going to cost to fix it, to be back next week on and on. You, you know, cause you drive, it goes on and on. I encourage people to contact your favorite driver, ask them if you can come and be a guest in the pit area with them just one time. And you go when you meet them there, when they get there, you pay your pit pass, you do all those things. You know, it's um, in Kalamazoo in July or August, it's going to be hot. It's going to be, you know, pavement and the heat's going to be beating down on you from noon to seven and you haven't even started racing yet do what those drivers do and you have a new appreciation for what it takes to put on the entertainment that so many people take for granted when they go to their short track yeah yeah and another thing about the this this racing community is there like you said you get hooked and you're in mm-hmm. and there are some volunteers <laughs> who volunteer to yep. help support these things. And they'll do that as long as they're physically capable of doing it. And, and like you said, they're, they're 40 years they're involved and you better believe they've got, they've got stories like everybody else out there. Well, there's a lady that works the Daytona 500. I think she's 90 years old and she hasn't missed one for probably at all ever. I mean, I read about her. I tried to, through some channels, get a hold of her, but <clears throat> I was never able to. But 90 years old, and she's volunteering in Daytona in February at the Daytona 500. Those are the people that I, those are the kind of people I like to talk to, because you know she's got some stories. Yep, yep. Yeah, for sure. So on the um, on these road trips where, you're, where you are doing something live, are you, mm-hmm. are you kind of roaming around and, and, and finding people or do you have a set spot that you have people just kind of come in and schedule them in? 
So I haven't done a road tour yet. This is the first one. But no, I'm probably going to roam around. But what I am going to do is prior to getting to that track, I will do my research and find out who the women are. Um, I'll talk to the track owner, the track promoter, obviously, and say, hey, who, who would be some good stories at your track? You know, And that's where you find out about the concession stand lady or the ticket lady or the lady who does timing and scoring or whatever it might be. And, you know, new drivers, drivers who've been there a long time, they're going to be my best resource as far as who I need to talk to. And then I will take my iPhone and perhaps my video camera. I've, I've done that before, but honestly, the iPhone works just as good. Mm -hmm. And, and then you can, you know, depending on who it is, what time it is, how much time we have to talk, et cetera, then we'll either do a Facebook live, we'll record something and I'll post it later because part of the problem is that sometimes the internet's not very good at a racetrack. Yeah. So yeah. I will have to record it and play it later, but you always get a chance. I think at some point to do some kind of live, um, at least so people know you're there and, and that, and then, um, you know, I, I will have handouts to give just little, they're little cards that have all my information on it. Um, what I'm doing and my, how to get a hold of me and, and that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, the, the other side of that is if I'm going to be traveling and doing all this, I'm going to be trying to find some partners that would be willing to help me fund the cost of going and then getting the word out about that track. So if I'm going to Berlin, yeah, that's not that far, but we'll use Berlin as an example. If I'm going mm -hmm. to Berlin, then, you know, I'm, I may be contacting Meyer and say, I'm going to do a road tour in Michigan and I'm going to go to eight tracks. Would you, would you be willing to be my travel partner or whatever it might be? Because I'm, I've paid for this out of my pocket the whole time, as you well know, um, you do what you do out of your pocket too. And mm -hmm. so at some point as it's gotten bigger and as like, I could honestly use an assistant, a helper, but then I'd be paying somebody <laughs> again out of my pocket. So yeah. you see, I'm either going to grow or I'm going to die. And so my goal is to grow and my goal is to reach more people, tell more stories and hopefully find some kind of a business who sees the value and and is willing to help me follow my passion. Well, maybe there's somebody who will be listening to this who is just as passionate and would love to join and help you. You know, you never know who's listening. So yeah. my dad always says uh, when he was still alive, one of his favorite things to say was, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. And I met a, a woman through Facebook just by chance. I saw her name come across a feed and I reached out to her uh, a couple weeks ago. And last week she called me out of the blue and she said, oh my gosh, we need to talk. And we talked for over an hour and she knows so many people in motorsports. It's I, I was just amazed. And then she connected me with someone who really knows a lot of people who was the president of a Fortune 500 company for 20 years, had a motorsports team, is still involved, even at almost 80 years old. And, she, and he and I had a two-hour Zoom meeting. 
And he gave me so many good ideas. And actually, he was the one that said, grassroots right now is where it's at. People are upset with NASCAR. And some of them are upset with NHRA and they're upset with this or that. But go back, go back to the grassroots because I live in the hotbed of motorsports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I no, it's not North Carolina, but as far as small racetracks within three or four states of me, there's a lot. And he said, he was the one that suggested I would do a road tour and meet the people at the grassroots level. And just amazing the people that I've gotten to meet through you reach out and then this person hooks you to this person. And, Oh, I tell you what I, every day I look at, get up and I look to see who, who do I get to talk to today? And today it's Carrie. (laughs) Well, I I got lucky. You know, I, I found you because I just started, um, I, I interviewed a couple of women and, um, I asked them, you know, who else could I talk to? And they suggested, um, either your Facebook group or something like that. And I went on the group and, and I, I don't believe that men are in your group, but I reached out to anybody that showed up as an admin. I know I reached out to you and um, I think that's how we got connected. Yep. You know, I'm very grateful that you re- replied back to me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, when I go to look at my demographics, it's almost 50% men that follow my page, mm-hmm. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. And a lot of men are my followers because yeah. their wives race. And when I first started this, you know, and I asked for people to tag themselves, women are funny. They don't want to tag themselves, but they'll tag a whole bunch of other people. And then, <laughs> and then somebody will say, well, what about you? Well, you know, I don't do that much. I mean, that is common, but there was a lot of men that responded and said, you should talk to my wife. You should talk to so-and-so. I had a lot of men respond with names of women that I should talk to. Well, I took a lot of notes during the first <laughs> part of our interview, whenever you were telling me about how you got started and how this um, all evolved. What do you think would be the picture that you're most interested in five years from now? Like what, what do you want to be doing and how do you want to see that this community has grown for yourself and what has it done for for everybody? Well, so let's start five years from now. So my biggest place where I connect with people is Facebook. So I'd like to have, Oh gosh, five years from now, 50,000 followers instead of 10,000. I would like to have my podcast, um, Promoted on a major platform, for instance, um, Motor Racing Network, be a part of their company in the way that they promote or share my podcast. So, mm-hmm. because they have so many listeners, or, you know, Dirty Mo Media with Dale Jr., have my podcast on a platform where there's already a lot of people listening who haven't heard of me and I don't have a way maybe to reach out to them. Um, I would like to be still doing events at racetracks because I love meeting people. I love talking to them. I love hearing their stories. Um, I'd like to see 
events at a, a racetrack be bigger and better. For instance, I had a dream, and this is a true story. I had a dream <laughs> that I was at Phoenix racetrack, which I've been to a lot because my daughters live out there. I've been to that track mm -hmm. more than any other track. And we were in some venue. I don't think it's one that's really there. It was just in my dream. And we had a thousand women. It was a huge group of women that were in this party room and we were having a party. And we had women on the stage that were talking, um, you know, like um, a panel of women. And, and it's just, it's all the things that I've thought about that I really want to do. And I don't, I'll be honest. I, my husband wake up and said, do you want me to tell you my dream? Sure, honey. I don't dream very much. And when I do, I don't remember it. And so the fact that I do remember this dream and it has stuck with me all this time, it's like, it's not a dream. It's a, maybe a premonition. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't want it to be a, just come in and have some peanuts on the table. You know, I want, I want these women to come in to white tablecloths and beautiful decorations. And, you know, it, it's going to be a nice event. And that, that is something that I really want to see happen down the road. I have a feeling you may get there before five years. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Cause I'm 67. I... I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm really um, appreciative for you sharing your story and um, I love, I love what you're doing and kind of, kind of gives me hope too. And, and also some, some ideas of, of how I can also grow and uh, help the community. Uh, I, I've, I've loved it. I, I just got started. I mean, you, you've been involved with racing longer than I have. I, I didn't start racing, uh, but just two years ago. Yeah. And be, before that, I, I didn't have anything. So, um, and how yeah. long have you been doing your podcast? Uh, 40 days. 40 days. Awesome. 40 days. Yeah. So I have, uh, I think I've published um, nine or 10, 10 or so right now. I have 37 backlogged that I need to start getting out faster. So I'm going to shift to two a week and probably three a week. And who knows, I might end up having to do four a week to try to get through and, and, get and try up. to publish them quick enough. You know, I, I'm a studier of things and I do a lot of reading. I love reading and had social marketing been a thing back in 1974, when I graduated from high school, I would have been a social media something because I absolutely love it. But I've read so much and they say, oh, you need to do, this is what you need to do and that once a week and all this. And you know what I decided? I, I can't always, the people that I interview, their schedules are busy. Mm -hmm. And so I publish when I get one ready. I don't edit them a lot because most of the time there really isn't a need. And to me, you know, I could spend hours making it perfect and nobody but me cares if it's perfect. <laughs> Yep. People are going to listen to it anyway. And, and so I've, I've kind of let that part of it go because I am 
an organized person who wants things to be nice and everything. And there's some things that I want to do and upgrade to my shows, but um, the, it's more important for you to get it out there than it is for it to be perfect. And if I had any yeah. advice for you, that would be it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, I try to do very, very little editing. I mean, because almost all mine, almost all mine are live at a track. Yeah. Some unexpected things happen sometimes yes. and you literally can't hear each other. Right. So you have to pause. Yeah. And, it, you know, so there's just some things like that that I've had to work with, but yeah. for the most part, minimize on the editing and get mm -hmm. everything down to a system. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, I mean, man, these live events, I'm excited for you. I think you're going to get a, a, a whole lot of uh, stories and, and things to share with people. Cause it, it, even though people are busy and, you know, their number one focus is, um, you know, their job at the track or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, generally you can find a time. So just yeah. got to be adaptable for it. Well, and that's the reason, um, you know, so a few years ago we bought a travel trailer. My husband called it a box on wheels. It was a really nice travel trailer, but it's what I wanted because I wanted to be able to go to the racetrack. He could stay in the, in the travel trailer in the air conditioning or watch the race on TV or do what he wanted. But I need to be at the track at nine o'clock in the morning because that's when you get those stories or you can talk to people because once it gets close to race time or qualifying, you might as well go sit in the stands and watch, Yeah, you know? And so, um, so we did that and long story anyway, ended up getting a class a, which now I've decided we've decided we're going to sell our class a and we're going to go back to a smaller travel trailer that I can pull behind my truck by myself so that he doesn't even have to go, especially this summer if I'm going to do some road tours. So, um, yeah. you know, life changes, you've got to just go with the flow and, and every season is different and I'm looking forward to what the summer's going to bring and, who I'm going to meet. I hope that we cross paths at a track. I, um, I'll, I'll definitely stay in touch with you. Okay. And, uh, well, send me your you. schedule, your race schedule, because, um, I'm making it up as I go, but when, okay. I, when I have some dates figured out, I'll let you know. Okay. All right. Well, I'll do the same because I'm still working on some dates. So maybe okay. we will cross paths at some point. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, Thank you so much for your time, and um, I, I bet we get another chance to talk someday soon. Well, anytime that you want to talk or reach out for anything at all, or if I can help you in any way, you know where I am, you know how to get a hold of me, and, and I'm always happy to help. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carrie. I want to thank you for listening or watching Drive to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope that we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. I absolutely love hearing from you, and I promise I'll personally respond to every comment, every question, and every request. If you want to connect, start with our website, driventocompete.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Whether you reach out or not, please like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, Go kick some ass.